0: welcome you're listening to sermons and talks from providence church in brisbane we believe that god speaks to us through his word the bible so we pray that as you listen you'll be encouraged and challenged to love jesus and live for him for more information about providence church please visit our website www.providencechurch.com.au. 1st chronicles 29 verses 10 to 14.
1: david praised the lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying praise be to you lord the god of our father israel from everlasting to everlasting yours lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours yours lord is the kingdom you are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you you are the ruler of all things in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all now our god we give you thanks and praise your glorious name but who am i and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand
0: dear father god just thank you for the opportunity this morning this beautiful morning with the sun shining us here with our church family Lord, we do pray that you would uh just help us to draw near to you and look to you and help to understand what you're like to understand what we need to be like we pray this in jesus name amen it is a case when we come up a series of generosity and talking about money that we do feel uncomfortable and we did this exercise for our leadership teams our elders our wives and staff got together for a leadership day a planning day a few saturdays back and we asked the question to the whole so there's 16 of us what do you, how much do you think we talk about money at church and we laid out the numbers, if you've done this exercise, 1 to 10. Pick a number where you feel like 10 if you feel like we talk about money all the time, or 0 or 1 if you feel like we very rarely talk about money. And to our surprise, I'm not sure where you would, what number you'd stand on sitting here, but for us, we had some people standing on number 3 saying, it's there but we never talk about it really there we also had some people standing at number 9 going we're always talking about money yeah you know, it always comes up and they're always aware of it and it just made me realize that no matter who you are in a group in a crowd like this we're all sort of feeling different things uh these people for us in our leadership uh We've all gone to the same church for the same amount of time, like all being, they're all hearing the same message, but we feel very different about things like money and generosity. And I realise it's uncomfortable, particularly because in a group of people this size, we all come from different economic backgrounds and that's going to make some feel uncomfortable. Or when it comes to speaking about generosity and how we handle money, that's going to make other people feel uncomfortable. Or there's maybe some people who've had traumatic experiences from previous churches. The way they've talked about money, that it triggers them and that makes us feel uncomfortable. Or like Mikey said, we're in an economic climate where every second day in the news they're talking about are they going to increase interest rates, is it fuel prices, is it wages staying low, is it just all this drip feeding of uh, just anxiety and trauma about the economic situation that it makes us feel uncomfortable and now you've rocked up to church and the church is going to just dump on you the same thing. But I think at some level I think we're all feeling a little bit Uncomfortable, you know, single income, mortgage. and I'm preaching to you about generosity. We're all feeling a bit uncomfortable about this subject. But when is a good time to talk about generosity? Because surely it's when it's, life's easier. We can talk, we feel uh, e- it's easier to be generous. Or is it? Is it actually when times are tough? that it's actually more important that we talk about generosity particularly the condition of our heart because when times are tough that's when our heart if you're like me our heart closes in a little bit it gets tighter it even gets a little bit harder thinking actually I, I need to take control of this situation not let God take control of the situation so my heart is one of the first things to harden up But actually, this is the problem we need to work on. It's having a heart like God when it comes to money and generosity. If it was a series about uh, fundraising, that would be different. If If it was a series about making us all feel guilty about what we do with our money, that would be different. But no, no, we actually want a heart like God. And to have a heart like God has an outflowing of generosity. And what we'll see this morning, an outflowing of joy as well. This is not a series about making us all feel guilty, but it's actually have a heart like God. And I hope this morning when you leave here, you'll have a heart full of joy, particularly from what we see in this passage. So we're going to spend three weeks, or Mikey and Ben, uh, there's another two parts to this. But this is just kicking us off, thinking about uh, particularly gratitude to God and how that shapes our heart. So we're in an Old Testament passage, uh, this Chronicles, about King David. Now what's happening in this scene is King David's gathering up resources to build the temple to God now you might uh, have seen images of the temple that they used to have it was has been destroyed since of the temple to God in Israel in Jerusalem but this is preparing that his son Solomon's going to be the one who builds it but for him he's gathering up these resources so they've just had a day where all Israel have come together and they're uh, looking they're, they're evaluating how are we going with this And this is where we find, we're going to be flying over this whole chapter, more than just what we had read for us. But back to verse 1, so 29 verse 1. Let me set the scene uh, just by reading those few verses with King David. So King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. This is a good way of setting off your junior leaders, isn't it? He's young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the lord with all my resources i have provided for the temple of my god and then you list it out gold for the work, gold for the gold work silver for the silver uh, bronze for the bronze iron for the iron and wood for the wood as well as oxen for the settings turquoise stones of various colors and all kinds of fine stones and marble all of these in large quantities now it kinda seems like i've kicked off this fundraising event Uh, It feels like what he's going to say is this is from like Israel's treasury. Yeah, I've pumped in all these resources. See, we've got this project started. A little bit like the Queensland government going, hey, we've got the Olympics coming up. We're going to pump all this money into all these projects. Here it is. But then he goes on in verse 3. Besides, in my devotion, so besides all the stuff I've already put out before you, In my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures. So this is out of his own personal bank account. uh, Of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, about 100 tons. 7,000 talents of refined silver, 235 tons. And then he goes on in verse 5. So I say this is what i've given now in verse 5 he says now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the lord today this is what i've done now who's going to join me now it's interesting the way he words this because this word consecrate is a word that we use or they used to say they're set apart for god so we have stuff for everyday use, and we have stuff for just God's use. So we might say, if a, a church building is just used for God's use, you could say we've, it's been consecrated to God." Or if you're in here in like an old bowling club, it's consecrated on a Sunday morning, say, but not always. But if it's set aside for God, it's called you consecrate for God." Now you would expect David to go, "Now who's going to bring forward their gifts for the temple?" To make your gifts, to consecrate your gifts for God. My gift is now for God's use, but He doesn't say who's going to bring their gifts to. Or what? Who's going to? Are you going to bring your gifts to consecrate it? He said, "Who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Who's going to make themselves God special for God?" And there's an implication they're going to bring their gifts as well. But he's already flagging here, this is not just about money and stuff. It's about people and it's about hearts. Who's going to bring themselves to God? So he's already flagging. This is more than just a collection that's going on. But then he calls out his leaders. Who's going to come up? It's kind of like if we had that setting. Who's going to come up and bring their stuff? Then he goes on, well, we read on in verse 6. We see all the leaders lining up. There's the leaders of the families, so every clan, their clan leader went up. The officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds. And the officials in in charge of the king's work gave willingly. So all their leaders, families, officials bring their stuff. They gave towards the work of the temple of God. Then it lists again, they keep records, they want us to know how much they gave. 5,000 talents and 10,000 directs of gold down to the last .000 of tonnes, 170 odd tonnes worth. 10,000 talents of silver, 340 tonnes. 18,000 talents of bronze, over 600 tonnes. And 100,000 talents of iron, 3,400 tonnes. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, uh, the treasurer, basically. Someone's got to look after this stuff. So they've all brought it forward. You'd imagine this big pile of stuff that everybody's brought forward to them and that publicly, and it says willingly, they brought it forward. Now, I don't know how comfortable we would feel if there was, if that happened to us you know if we had a day here at providence uh, mikey says okay we're having this collection he pulls out the table at the front here's my gift uh, to the lord's work and mikey puts out here the elders come up put out their gift your committee of management put out their gifts your team leaders bring out put out their gifts i don't know how you'd be feeling but it's something we don't do today and it's something that if your heart was a little bit cynical or a little bit you know not sure what's going on you'd probably go why are they doing this is this an opportunity for them to big note themselves to promote themselves oh look at me what's going on here that they would uh do this is this some sort of um religious practice is some sort of religious abuse is this out of obligation for them that this is somehow putting pressure on everybody. You may even be feeling, look, if everybody else is doing this, hide your wallet. I don't want them to get access to my credit card because they're going to come looking for me next. It's that sort of feeling that we could easily feel uncomfortable from our hearts that this is happening. It's easy to have that sort of attitude that we're a bit cynical about this sort of stuff. But the attitude they've got is very different. We can see the attitude that they've got from verse 9. It says, the people rejoiced. They were pleased. Remember, it's their clan and their bosses and their leaders that are putting, in a sense, their money up front for the temple. But rather than being resentful, oh, we could have used that money or we could have used it differently. No, no, they're rejoicing. What are they rejoicing? The next part of verse 9. They're rejoicing at the willing response of their leaders. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. There's no pressure here. It's freely giving, wholehearted giving. They're not holding anything back. There's no religious abuse. There's no pressure. There's, it's freely done. And the people are going, this is amazing. This is awesome. And even King David, if we go to the next part of that verse, David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. In fact, in the Hebrew, the original language it's written, says he rejoiced joy greatly. Like it's really trying to emphasize. This was a happy day for David. David, the one who gave away a lot of his treasure. David, the way that gave gave away more than anyone else. We often think, wow, isn't it a happy day when somebody gives something to us? These people are giving their stuff away. But they rejoice, joy, greatly. This is a big happy day for them. Why? Why do they feel so good about giving their stuff away? How's their attitude got to that point? And I want to know, how can I have that attitude to be generous and giving my stuff away and still having a smile on my face afterwards? How do they do it? How do they get that attitude? Well, we see David's going to pray after this, pray before all the people. And we see his attitude is shaped by the magnitude of God. And we see it in verse 10. Verse 10. So this is David praising the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, "'Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel,' from everlasting to everlasting notice how he's talking about god from everlasting to everlasting yours lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours yours lord is the kingdom you are exalted as head over over all things over all see what he says like he's taken a step back from God he says when I see who you are from everlasting to everlasting before time even started God was there before time finishes or after time finishes God will be there he's always been there. there's never been a time where there's God hasn't been there but he's also the description of God and it feels like just one one great bomb after another your greatness Your power, your glory, your majesty, your splendor. See the magnitude of God. God is so big. If you want a description of God, just hit this. One after the other, after the other, after the other. Our God is great. He can see that. And he says everything is God's. There is nothing here in in creation. There's nothing here at all that doesn't belong to God. God is a big God. He's never-ending All things belong to him. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for David? He goes on to explain that in verse 12. Wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. You see, David here, he says, everything we have is from God. With our wealth, our honour, our strength, it's all from God. There's nothing on this creation that that doesn't belong to God. In fact, there's nothing you have that hasn't been given to you by God. He is the one that, straight from his hands, he gives it to you. And when you think about Who you are, everything you have, your stuff, your money. How much stuff do you have? How much money do you have in the bank? To know it's from God. Who you are as a person, who you are in your strength is given to you from God, from the hands of God. Every friend you have, every family member you have is from God. Every opportunity in the life that you have is from God. This church of providence here is from God. It's all God's. And you only enjoy it because it's a gift from God, straight from his hands to you, to us. God is much bigger than we realize. The magnitude of his greatness, his power, his glory, his majesty, his splendor splendor, is so much greater than, than we can ever get our heads around. These words are like, there's not enough words to describe him, so we'll just keep adding words. He's so great. And to look that everything he comes from, everything he provides for us is straight from his own hands, the magnitude of his generosity. You can't help by saying that, verse 13. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. The God is so much bigger than we realize and sometimes we just get busy in the business of life that we maybe take our eyes off God and we stop thinking about God in that way but it feels like here David's had a good close look at God looked at him in the face and he says now I can see who you are and he uses these words to try and describe him and it changes David's heart when he sees the magnitude of God Changes David's heart, changes his attitude to life. That I have a great big God like this. He can see who he is. Maybe sometimes we need to have that look. Take a hint from David to step back and take a look at God. Yeah, you know, just reflect on verses like these to go. Our God is great. Our God is big. We've got so much to be thankful for. Because when we see the magnitude of God's generosity to us, it changes our heart. To have an attitude of gratitude. I know that kind of sounds corny, to have an attitude of gratitude, but it works. It works for me anyway. To have an attitude of gratitude to God. But it only comes from looking God in the face and going, now I see how amazing you are. Amazing you are. And it changes the gratitude of our hearts. There's more to David's prayer. Uh, Yes, we see after having a close look at God, we see David's heart is is affected by it's impacted david understands himself better as well and his heart needs to have more gratitude and we pick this up in verse 14 that having gratitude means there's no room for entitlement and we see this in these verses uh so from verse 14 uh just picking out a couple of bits and we'll come back to the others where david says and he's questioning god but who am i and who are my people that we shall be able to give as generously as this? Looking at all the gifts. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as we're, all, uh, as we're all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. What he's saying there, but who are we that we could be in a position to give back to God like this? We're nobodies. We're nobodies. When he says that we are foreigners and strangers, what he's saying is particularly in uh, this is about a thousand years before Jesus, a thousand years BC. If you're a foreigner or a stranger moving into another, another group of people or another country, you basically had what you had on your back. You're entitled to nothing. You nobody had to help you. Being a foreigner meant you were open to anything, any sort of abuse no one you weren't expecting anybody to help you and they weren't obliged to help you as a foreign stranger you're a nobody even when uh, david says our days on earth are like a shadow without help that we come into this world and we're here for only a short time and we're gone again and we're talking to the god the everlasting to everlasting god we're here today gone tomorrow we're like strangers if our heart is a bit cynical again, we go, well, of course God has to help me. He's God, he's loving, of course he's, I'm entitled to his love and compassion and his support and his provisions. Of course God should be doing that. But what David says, no, no, you're not entitled to anything, anything from God. All Everything belongs to him. He owes us nothing, we deserve nothing and we're entitled to nothing in this world. Everything we have, though, is from God, provided by him. Now, we know when you get something you don't deserve, what are we going to do with it? Because David uses this, what he's been given, to give back. It's not just for me and my stuff and my kingdom. No, no. It's for God. David used it to be generous back. Did they have to do it? I don't think so. So if we go just the next slide. Oh, you've got it. Sorry. Everything comes from you and we have given you only what has come from your hand. It's like I, I've got nothing to give to you. But then he goes, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. And you can feel this tension. On the one hand, we've only got it because of God and because of God's generosity to us. Like he entrusts us with this stuff. But it's also, he uses language, it is God's stuff. But it's also my stuff that I'm responsible for. So he says, we have given you stuff. David's active in giving him the stuff. We have provided for a building. We have done it. Which to me suggests, did David have to do this? No, when you get given something, genuinely given it, it's up to you what you do with it. But for David, he goes, I know you've given it to me, but you've entrusted it with me. Now, because of this attitude of gratitude, he says, I want to give back. I want to give back to you. Now, we see here this connection between what's going on in the heart and what's going on in his actions his actions reflect what's going on in his god-shaped heart sometimes we can fall into this thing of we want to separate actions and our heart we do it unconsciously let me explain this especially when it comes to money you might recall Jesus was dealing with a bunch of Pharisees. They're the religious guys in his day, uh, worked at the temple, and he could see, because the Pharisees made it known, they were giving to the temple 10 percent, what they call the tithe, 10 percent of their income, 10 percent of their assets, 10 percent of their pantry, their herbs and spices, Jesus even says. But he says, "Your hearts are wrong, your hearts are corrupt." So Jesus says, "Your heart is wrong. even though you're doing the actions, they're not aligning." He's being legalistic and he's being critical of them. But on the other hand, the disciples are with Jesus and they see a poor widow and she just drops in a copper coin, the smallest amount of currency you could have. So she drops a small amount in and Jesus credits her for being so generous because she gave all she had. He said her heart was in the right place. So we sort of use our logic here of going Pharisees gave lots but their heart was wrong. The widow gave a little but her heart was good. This is sort of the logic I've been known to use and, you know, maybe you've fallen into the same trap of going, well, you can't align my heart with my actions because we see people getting it wrong all the time. So what does that mean for our giving? Giving nobody's actually going to see my giving our giving is anonymous maybe the treasurer might see it but it's discreet it's nobody's going to hold you accountable for that nobody knows if i'm giving lots or giving a little but even if they did know don't be critical of my heart because i my heart can be good but my actions don't don't connect this is not what david is saying david is actually saying god look at my heart And test my heart by my actions. Because this is what he's going to say in verse 17. Verse 17, he's still praying to God out in front of everybody. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent and now i have seen with joy how willing your people your people who are here have given to you see for david he says i know god looks at my heart but how does he measure my heart if it has integrity if my actions back up my beliefs see this is the question do our actions back up our beliefs because if we believe what David prayed about God, that God is uh, the everlasting to everlasting, that God is all the greatness, God is all the power, God is all the glory, the majesty and splendor, that everything on heaven and earth belongs to God, everything that we have is a gift from God. If we truly believe these things, are our actions being affected by that? Otherwise, our heart's not. If our heart is impacted by who God is and his generosity and his compassion to us, it should be outflowing with integrity. See, if somebody says, if you say, oh, you love somebody and appreciate them and you do nothing to acknowledge that except for empty words, there's no integrity behind that. But to have a heart that means it, a heart with integrity, says, I'm just not going to say it. I'm not just going to sing about it. I'm not just going to be here on Sundays. But my heart with integrity is going to respond to it. An attitude of gratitude genuinely coming from the heart. And that's what David says he has. Honest intent. Willingly, he says. Willingly and honestly, with integrity, he says, I give all this stuff. And he says it with a smile on his face. He says it with joy. This is the thing. So I nearly <laughs> did it again. I'm awake now, are you guys awake? Um, so the, uh, I don't know whether you've had the experience, where you've gone to somebody, you've spent a lot of money, and you are swept up in the moment, and sit, it's not until the next day, you wake up and you see your, your credit card statement and go, wow, I regret that. You have the thing the next day afterwards where you uh, start to realise what you've done will israel have that sort of day this day they're giving everything away and they're so happy they're so joyous but the next day how are they going to wake up we're actually told what they do the next day down at the end of the chapter verse 21 and 22 how do they feel about this the next day they made sacrifices to the lord and presented burnt offerings to him A thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand male lambs, together with drink offerings and other sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. And the day before, they just gave away all their stuff for the building of the temple. This is for God. Wow, that's going to hurt. And I'm sure it did. It's going to cost them. But they were happy. They were just the next day. What do they do? Do they regret it? No, they're sacrificing all the animals. They're celebrating the fact that they did this. And verse 22, they ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. They had a big party. They didn't regret this. This was the greatest day ever. They gave away stuff so generously and still had a smile on their face. From an attitude of gratitude, they had this God-shaped heart. It's all God's. He's a great God. He's enabled us to do this and to actually do this, to give this stuff away and be happy about it. There's a difference I want to share a story with you, something that happened recently about my mum and dad. My mum and dad would be very embarrassed if they heard me tell this. So as long as you don't meet my mum and dad and tell them I shared it, I think we're all good. They're in a stage of life. They're in their late, uh, their mid-80s. They've sort of got to a sa- season of life. They're fully retired, as in uh, they're, they're Christians. They're looking at the home straight, looking to be with Jesus. And at that season of life, it would be very easy to go, look, we need this bit of a stash of money for a rainy day just in case something bad happened uh, we, we just don't know what the future is and they close up their their generosity but what they said is they they talked about it together without talking to us kids they said we've got all this this money and we don't want to wait till we're dead to give our inheritance we want to start doing it now and they wanted to give some to kids on so their son uh, but their son and daughter-in-laws uh, their grandkids and they're great grandkids. So there's 24 different individuals in that. So my mum sits down and starts writing out cheques. For those who don't know what cheques are, they're bits of paper. Like you've got to actually write down their name, you've got to write down the number, then write it out in, num- in uh, letters, numbers, and then you sign it off. And my mum said, "Yeah, oh, you we know, we got this in the mail. The mail is this thing you get from the letterboxes. <laughs> we get this cheque in the mail. It's like, Wow, this is generous. I've got to phone him up and thank you. What's this about? You know, just to show appreciation. She says, Ross, and they did it together, but my mum wrote, wrote the checks. She said, Ross, I sat down, when we said we are going to do it, I sat down and wrote out 24 checks. It was so much fun. That was her response. There's something going on in this God-shaped heart that to, to give away actually warms your heart. It actually fills you with, aren't I fortunate that God's put me in a position to do this? So to have a God-shaped heart overflows in God-shaped generosity. To give your money away, but also to have a smile. It's got to be from God. So what does this mean for church, for church stuff? So I think what this is saying is if you're here and I don't know whether you're here just visiting or here checking out Jesus or you've been here a while, but every time money's talked about and it's sort of like, oh yeah, I knew there was a catch here They're after my money. If there's something going on in your heart that makes you feel uncomfortable or even resentful, don't give. I haven't talked about Mikey with this, but I'm your moderator, so I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if your heart's not right with this, don't give. God wants to do work in your heart, to have a heart like his before anything like that happens. Have a close look at God. because I think that sometimes we, we all need to sit down and look God in the face sometimes and just realise how big he is, how great he is, to have that gratitude. But if you are pursuing to have a heart like God's, can I encourage you to show your gratefulness, to not just say, oh, I have a heart of gratitude But actually you have that attitude behind it that puts it into actions. To let God know what's going on in your heart. To show that it is generous for him. So I encourage this. as a couple of action steps. The first one is nothing to do with your money. It's having a close look at God. What is he doing in your life? What's he done for you? Reading uh, David's prayers, like stuff like that. Read some of the Psalms, descriptions of God. And just stop and reflect on that. Start journaling. How's God been good to me? What can I thank Him for? And what do I learn about His love for me? Because it's there. And then see what does that do in the outflowing. How does that change my heart? How does that change things like my giving, my generosity? Some I've already acknowledged that we're all in different economic circumstances, so we're not going to lay up big piles of gold like David did. But to have a heart that with integrity that david says uh, with honest intent that you can stand before god and going this is what i can do and even pray to god i wish i could do more pray that prayer let me do that for us now thanks for having us and i hope this is a good journey for the next few weeks to think about this stuff too dear father god just thank you for your love for us that through passages like this and through our own experience we see you in action we see what you're like you're full of grace and mercy you owe us nothing yet you're so good to us Lord let us not just pay lip service to you but let our hearts be shaped by you to be like you and that might turn into generosity that our hearts might be overflowing that we're not not trying to hang on to money and stuff to build my own kingdom but Lord that you have entrusted it with us to serve you even with our money Help us to have hearts that are generous and with a smile and with joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.